All right, it is Wednesday. It's time to get weather wise. Welcome into another episode of our weekly podcast here. And of course, these podcasts are recorded in the studio at 47 ABC in Salisbury, Maryland, and we're representing uh, the entire Delmarva Peninsula. And of course, Ulysses Garcia is at home right now. He is social distancing and he's calling in and I'm here in the studio. I'm meteorologist Daniel Johnson. And of course, as I just said, meteorologist Ulysses Garcia is on the phone. Are you there, Ulysses? Yes, everyone. I am here. I am meteorologist Ulysses Garcia. So, you know, welcome to another episode of WeatherWise. All right. So this episode's a big one, right, Ulysses? We teased it last week. And uh, why don't you tell the folks what this one is about and what we're going to re uh, be covering? So, well, we're, you know, today's an important day here. Uh, you know, it's April 15th. So we are going to be talking about the one-year anniversary of the three tornadoes that we had here on Delmarva. We had the Laurel tornado. That was the big tornado. Uh, then we also had the one in Broadkill Beach. And then we had one also over into Dorchester County. So those three tornadoes are going to be the ones that we're going to be talking about uh, when it comes to today. And today is the one-year anniversary. So, you know, we're going to talk about a little bit what you know, happened before, uh, you know, during, and then obviously, uh, you know, a little bit of what happened after. Uh, so, yeah. You know, but, yeah, today's a big day, and that's uh, what we've been teasing this month is that we're going to talk about this big event. That's right, so April 15th. thing that happened all year. Yeah, April 15th, not only typical tax day, which has been extended this year, that's a different story to talk about, but um, normally tax day is when we had that, of course, that severe weather outbreak last um, tax day, April 15th, 2019. It's the one-year anniversary, and we're going to talk about it, and Ulysses, myself, we were very, very busy just a year ago, and uh, we were actually very busy just the other day, right, Ulysses? We had uh, that severe weather coverage on Monday. Uh, so we kind of had severe weather very close to the one-year anniversary of the severe weather we had last year. But luckily, we did not have any confirmed tornadoes or any damage like uh, the damage that was done by those three different tornadoes uh, just a year ago. No, yeah. No, thankfully, we didn't have anything uh, to that same extent this past Monday. But uh, last year, that was not the case, definitely. Uh but, um, yeah, it's definitely quite interesting what happened last year. And, we're, we, you know, we're right here, you know, we're going to talk to you about it and explain how it all played out. Yeah, and there was a um, difference, you know, between last year and this year. Um, yes, it was both kind of a Sunday night into Monday type of time frame and forecast. Uh, but we were under an, an enhanced risk, right, across the peninsula, or at least a good part of the peninsula was under an enhanced risk, which is level three out of five when it comes to, you know, severe weather coming across Delmarva, uh, but Delmarva was on, only under a slight risk for this past Monday. So it was definitely a higher category and higher risk um, last year during that outbreak, and for good reason, right? No, yes, absolutely. Last year, yeah, like if you look at kind of where the, the, the tracks of these tornadoes, they pretty much just hovered on the fringes of the enhanced and the slight risk, and that's pretty much where we got uh, the tornadoes last year. So, yeah, this year we dealt with the flight risk of uh, these tornado warnings. You had it on Monday. But, yeah, so last year we definitely saw the northern half with an enhanced risk, and the southern half of the peninsula had a slight risk. But, um, yeah, it definitely was a very interesting uh, scenario that we were tracking last year with all these storms, and, you know, especially, you know, looking at the way how things were playing out the day before it happened, you know. And you worked the day before. So you worked on Sunday. Uh, over the weekend, and I remember texting you, you know, all day trying to keep track, and like we were uh, 
telling each other, you know, we should do this, maybe we should do that. And we were coming up with a plan and we were tweeting and posting on, you know, social media to keep Delmarva informed. But what do you remember a lot about that day when you came in, about the certain conditions the day before those storms rolled in? Well, I remember on that Sunday, I remember it was Palm Sunday. Uh, and I remember that, you know, I came in at, in the afternoon and, you know, I had to hear some of the information I posted just that afternoon. And that afternoon, it was already really warm. It was well into the 70s, um, our temperatures in the afternoon. Our dew points uh, definitely, you know, definitely were up there. They were in the upper 60s to near 70s. So we're already de de dealing with dew points that were, you know, really favorable to allow for these thunderstorms to flare up. Um, our winds were coming in out of the south, so almost, you know, similar wind pattern that what we had back on Monday. Just not as strong, but it was definitely a south wind. So we definitely had that moisture in there, um, you know, the instability there, um, you know, provided when I came in that day, even though it was still, you know, pretty quiet on that Sunday. We're definitely dealing with the calm before the storm. And I do remember that we were tracking storms, you know, um, through other parts of the, you know, the southeast, and they were making their way towards the northeast. So um, that was really what I remember the most on that uh, on that Sunday. And then also the fact that I kept noticing how um, even before the 6 o'clock show, there was already a tornado watch already posted across the bay, but yet here uh, we still did not have the tornado watch yet. And even going to the 11 o'clock news, we still didn't have that tornado watch even though I was beginning to notice that there was already thunderstorms flaring up in North Carolina and in Virginia, and I even, uh, you know, kept tracking those um, even a little bit after the 11 o'clock show. Well, that was the scary part. You mentioned the tornado watch just across the bay, you know, before we were going to bed, right? Um, but coming in overnight, tracking severe thunderstorms in the middle of the night, that's the worst time for any possible tornado outbreak to occur and that's exactly what happened on the peninsula you know you were tracking those storms and as you know per our policy whenever there's a severe weather outbreak that we're expecting we typically keep you know a meteorologist to stay late and then we have the next shift meteorologist come in early so that we have overlapping shifts and if we need to work together and tag team the weather forecast uh, that's what we would do so uh, we had you know we were prepared for it uh, Jean, of course, was our morning meteorologist at the time. She came in early and was well prepared. I woke up in the middle of the night and I called her and asked her if she needed anything. So we were, you know, we kept in contact, but there was nothing we could do to stop the weather, of course. We just had to keep tracking it and let people know. No. And then those tornadoes, yeah. they came through pretty quickly and in the middle of the night. No, yeah. I think uh, the only thing I did remember is that the tornado watch for Delmarva did not come in until well after the 11 o'clock news. Um, yeah, I, actually, I think it was I around. It was, I think it was like 1, 1 a.m. or so. I was just going to um, say, yeah, 1230 or 1. Yeah, so it was well after the 11 o'clock show. Uh, when, and I remember, that, like I mentioned just a few minutes ago, the tornado watch across the bay, that was issued probably around uh, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, 5 o'clock. I know it was before the 6 o'clock newscast. So there was a giant gap just from you know, just across the bay to where we are um, when it comes to that tornado watch gap. So I, I, I was hoping that they were going to issue that watch, the Storm Prediction Center, a little bit earlier. But, yeah, I mean, we were expecting there was going to be a tornado watch, but it definitely came in a little bit later than what we were expecting. <laughs> yeah, it did because the tornadoes came through, what was it, an hour or two after the watch was posted? It was pretty quickly. Yeah, the tornado, tornado watches definitely came in uh, after, you know, after 3 a.m. The warnings, yeah, uh, popped up. Yeah, the warnings. 
the warning banner. <laughs> yeah, and let's talk about the tornadoes because everyone, you know, seems to talk about the, the Laurel, Delaware one um, because that was the big one um, when it comes to, to ranking. And, of course, we use the enhanced Fujita scale uh, to categorize the storms. The National Weather Service does that. They send out a weather team to survey the scene, and they have a lot of ways to determine uh, the ranking of a tornado, but it's pretty much based off of the damage and the type of wind that can cause that damage. So uh, EF2, right? That was the Laurel uh, Delaware tornado. It may have originally come in as a one, but I think they upgraded it to a two for sure. Yeah, so it was originally EF1 when we, when on that Monday after that happened, it was originally classified as an EF1, but then they did a revision and they upgraded it to an EF2. Yeah, and I, I remember seeing the damage because I did a live shot the next day. Um, you know, on well that day, I should say, uh, that morning. Um, after the tornadoes touched down, we had news teams going out later that morning, and then I came in in the afternoon, and we did that live shot um, in front of a house that was badly damaged, and there was farming equipment badly damaged, trees were twisted and mangled. It was very interesting to see, but I got to see firsthand what they talk about when they try to categorize, you know, whether this is a tornado or whether it's just straight line winds, because there's a difference. You know, usually when you look at tree damage, straight line winds just kind of knock a tree over down or, or, or power line down in one direction, one kind of quick snap. But with a tornado, it's spinning. So you can sometimes see twists within, you know, the roots of the tree or, or the branch or the trunk of the tree. It, you can see that it's kind of twisted where the trees have fallen in multiple directions. And that's what I saw in that person's yard. So it was pretty surreal, you know, to see the actual damage, but there were houses that were severely damaged. We had reports of someone who was trapped in their house. Luckily, no one was killed um, from any of these tornadoes. But yeah, Laurel, Delaware was the big one. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we had, they said, uh, you know, maximum wind gust, 120 miles an hour when it comes to the storm. Wow. As it you know, passed by through Laurel, and, you know, it says it lasted, it was all the, uh, the track of destruction was a little over six miles. Yeah. Um, approaching, uh, approaching towards Seaford. Exactly. And did a lot of damage on Seaford Road. Um, lots of houses had so much damage uh, in, that, in that area. And that actual tornado in Laurel traveled through the county and went farther to the north. And then a separate tornado kind of formed out of that system. Yeah. And that one went towards Broadkill Beach, right? Yeah, that was the second one, and that was an EF1 tornado with 100 miles an hour, and that one actually, uh, you know, traveled almost a similar distance, 6.2 miles, going on the ground for seven minutes, and it was 50 yards wide, um, and, but it did have those winds up to 100 miles an hour, so, you know, that same storm produced a tornado twice. Yeah. Uh, pretty interesting. Right, and traveled across the county, and of course the county is Sussex County uh, in Delaware and did that damage in Laurel and in Broadkill Beach. Um, and of course, coming in in the middle of the night is scary, and it's pretty obvious why. You know, people are sleeping, um, people might not be aware of what's going, they might not get the alerts, but luckily I did hear stories of people, their phones went off, um, the alerts went off, and we had told people to download our 47 ABC weather app and turn on the alerts. And it's also smart to not put on your do not disturb when you go to bed because usually when I go to bed I put the do not disturbed but don't worry Ulysses I have you as one of my favorites so if you need to call me <laughs> your call will go through 
and wake me up. Um, same as my mom. Um, <laughs> but so do, do not turn on do not disturb during severe weather events. You know, that might be coming in overnight. And of course, download our app and put the alerts on because that saved lives. It was important that night. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that app, it's uh, definitely a lightsaver, you know, you know, and <laughs> not just for tornadoes, but for any type of event. So, you know, I just want to make sure that we emphasize that. Yes, we did have a tornado that, that day, but um, it's definitely something you want to have all year round for sure. Um, but, yeah, that, that was, it was definitely quite a night with these tornadoes and, you know, scary situation, obviously, like you mentioned, you know, it's everybody's sleeping, it's nighttime, it's usually harder to get those warnings out there because it's the middle of the night and, you know, you are sleeping. But um, luckily, like you said before, though, it, you know, no deaths really reported. So that was a good thing from these storms. But um, and interesting, the same storm sprouts out two, two of these uh, beforehand. And, um, you know, and at the time, that, those, those conditions were still favorable because, you know, at the time we were still dealing, we're still ahead of a cold front. Yeah. Um, you know, we were still ahead of that cold front. And, I mean, I even hear, I did post, on that Sunday night before the tornadoes came in, I did post what the dew points were looking at right around the time we were having those tornado warnings, around 4.30 in the morning, 3 or 4 in the morning, and the dew points were still well elevated into those 60s. So we still had the moisture, the instability there for these tornadoes to happen. And I remember that I was tracking those storms from North Carolina to Virginia, and some of those were the ones that made their way over here towards Delmarva. So... Um, and they were quick moving, so that's also one of the reasons why they were able to still, you know, ignite while here. Um, you know, and I think I remember things looking at some of the paths of these. They were kind of going over the Chesapeake, but even they were going through the actually the thickest part of the Chesapeake. And you know, water temperatures are relatively cool at this time, but because it was going so fast, um, yeah. the water really did not do anything to weaken it. Even though water temperatures were likely in the lower 50s. Yeah, we had just such a moist and warm unstable atmosphere you know ahead of that cold front and that put us in that prime location which was similar uh to this past monday but this past monday here on delmarva yes we had some severe weather but it was mostly a damaging wind event uh from a low pressure traveling to our west and we had just such a crazy tight pressure gradient with those very strong winds uh pushing in with there were actually a series of showers and storms that kind of pushed through but I mean, we had damaging winds that weren't even related to severe thunderstorms. So that was pretty interesting on Monday and will probably be a yeah. future podcast that we do. But, um, yeah, it was a scary night, um, April 15th, you know, the night of April 14th and into the 15th when those two tornadoes struck. And uh, we saw the rotation on radar. And I remember us breaking into regular programming in the middle of the night. And we literally did wall-to-wall -to -wall coverage and um, kept people up to date you know, about what was happening. So, and the community really came together and they stepped up to help, you know, people who had damaged homes. And I know we did a lot of stories on people that survived the storm. And, um, you know, they're still working to this day to, to get some stru structures uh, up and running again and improved. No, yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, that's the thing about these storms, you know, people really come together, they help one another. Uh, you know, when usually when these types of tragedies, weather tragedies tend to happen, you know, we really tend to see the goodness in people um, after these type of events happen, people helping one another and, you know, the rebuilding phase and everything. And, yeah. um, you know, I also do you know, want to mention also the fact that, you know, we, we did talk about the Broad Kill Beach, uh, you know, tornado, but there is also a third tornado that yeah. we have. There was another. Tell us, tell us about yeah. that. That one was a bit and weaker. That one is the, right? 
That was the weakest of the three. It was uh, in Dorchester County near Federalsburg, two and a half miles southeast of Federalsburg. And the winds were 80 miles an hour. Small sheds were damaged and destroyed. Uh, empty trailer was tipped over. And this one was, uh, was provided by the Wakefield office, not the Mountain Holly office like the other two. Yeah, separate you know, office. If you're aware, our offices are, the, the peninsula is pretty much split in half. So uh, when it comes to this tornado, this tornado was actually kind of a late arrival, late confirmation compared to the other two. The other two were confirmed that Monday after the tornado. This one kind of was confirmed a little bit more so into the week. And I remember, you know, our own, uh, you know, Camilo Fernandez, he was able to do some reports on that uh, leading up into that weekend after the tornado um, when it comes to, you know, the one in Dorchester County. Yeah, because that crew had to come in from Southern Virginia had to you yeah. know, come in from Wakefield to, to survey that scene. And it uh, just took a little bit longer because we were getting, we weren't getting a lot of reports in that area, but then we got lots of pictures and people saying that they swore a tornado uh, went through. So it was definitely confirmed. Uh, one in Dorchester County and two in Sussex. So that's definitely a tornado outbreak. And it was a scary night for sure, but um, we had it covered. I'm glad that, you know, we were able to be prepared for it and that no one was killed. I mean, that's the big takeaway from it. And just to prepare in the future, which we did our last podcast, our previous podcast on, you know, severe weather awareness. There are websites you can go to. And if you want, you guys can go to our website, of course, 47abc.com, check out our weather blogs. And we have links that you can get to and click on uh, to get severe weather prepared, just to be weather aware and that's one big thing we always say you know when a severe weather outbreak is possible just be weather aware download our app pay attention to the forecast and everything will most likely be okay so we'll do our best to keep everyone safe no yeah absolutely absolutely i mean i agree completely you know so you know just all you can do is just be prepared you just keep an eye to the sky you know have you know follow our our weather app you know fair, 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 you know tune into our forecast and you know everything you know should you know will be okay um, and also, you know, I just want to talk a little bit about what happened after, you know, these tornadoes went through, you know, the cold front came through and I know, like you said, you, you were doing a live shot and I remember that like, it you was had so to, uh, windy, uh, it was windy, <laughs> but it was, uh, the weather really changed. It was just how these cold fronts, you know, it's amazing how these tornadoes, they always tend to happen. You know, they have these powerful cold fronts and once they happen, uh, you know, right after it happens, it's like the weather is just a flip 180. It's, you know, the blue skies, I remember it was just blue skies. Uh, you know, drier air. It's kind of chilly and with that wind. The fact that it was just breezy, to, you know, a little bit windy after it, uh, you know, once it was all over with when you did your your uh, live shot. I remember that. It was just a really nice afternoon. Yeah, and, and, stan um, and standing out there for so long with the wind, you know, it did end up starting to feel a little cold um, after we had such a warm day the previous day and those storms pushed through. But that's typical, you know, as we're transitioning seasons. In the month of April, we're known to get severe weather. We've been known to get snow in April, so it can go back and forth, which is typical as you're transitioning, you know, into a, a new season. No, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, definitely uh, those tornado. Yeah, definitely, it's just uh, interesting how you know we had everything. The the recipes kind of you know just came together before it happened with the, the high dew points. Uh, the warm temperatures, the instability, then the tornadoes fired, and then just behind the whole thing, it kind of just cleared out. It's uh, right. just amazing how weather just plays out like that. But like you said before, you know that's the that's the thing with these transitional seasons. That's 
you just have the clash of the cold and the warm air. That's what allows these thunderstorms to just thrive. Right. And that's the easiest way to explain it. And that's what we do, you know, when we go to schools and teach kids or, or anyone who's asking about severe weather, the common explanation is, you know, a cold front sweeping through, you know, colliding with the warm, humid air ahead of it. And that just puts you in a prime spot. And that's kind of the prime recipe, so to speak, um, to create those outbreaks. And unfortunately, we had that a year ago today on April 15th. Um, luckily, we did not have that this week earlier in the week when we had some severe weather, but it can happen again. You know, we're no stranger on the peninsula to tornadoes. We've had them in the recent past. Um, so just, we gotta be prepared for it and just uh, stay ahead of the game. And I do wanna give a shout out to SPC, the Storm Prediction Center. They did a great job at this past Monday predicting the severe weather and also a year ago, these tornadoes because uh, where that enhanced risk was, was pretty much um, Sussex County was kind of cut in half between um, slight risk and enhanced, but we all pretty much got the gist and were under that enhanced risk, um, the areas that at least had the tornado touchdowns. No, yeah, absolutely. They pretty much nailed uh, the, the fact that, you know, and then when you had the Dorchester County there, that part was, looks like definitely was completely an enhanced risk, but yeah, definitely... Definitely on that, you know, like I mentioned before, definitely on that line between sliding the hands and more sun to enhance where those tornadoes really took place. And then, um, you know, looking back at some of the information that, you know, from the, it was also a little fun fact is that it was the first EF2 tornado on Delmarva since the one that hit in Kent, Kent Island in Maryland back in July 2017. Yeah, so it had been a couple, yeah, one of the strongest ones in, in a few years. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And then, I, and then I'll, I'll be, I think uh, before that, they said the previous just uh, the previous tornado I think was the one in Salisbury, which was an EF1 uh, back yes. in August in 2017. Yep, and I don't have it in front of me. You might have it, but I also and I, it's I believe it's in my blog that I wrote last year. But I think it was also one of Delaware's strongest tornadoes, um, or one of their first EF2s um, in a really long time when you just compare it to Delaware. Um, so it was a pretty rare outbreak with, you know, firsts uh, happening during it. So it was pretty, pretty intense. No, oh, yeah, absolutely. And then also, I know you wrote in, um, in your blog, you even wrote a little irony how the fact that it was also um, that Monday was the beginning of severe weather awareness. Exactly. In Delaware. Yeah. Yep. And uh, just last week was Severe Weather Awareness Week, which is what this year, which is what we covered in our previous podcast. And what happened a few days later, this past Monday, we had the severe weather outbreak. Yeah. So it seems to coincide um, with our first, I guess, outbreaks of the severe weather season. So just another reason to be prepared and be ready. No, yeah, absolutely. You know, you got to be ready. You know, these. Uh as you know, here, here on Delmarva, you know, we tend to deal a lot with these severe storms in the spring, but also carrying over into the summer months. So it's not just, uh, you know, it's not something you want to just focus in the month of April, but even worry about it a little bit into July and August as well, you know. <laughs> right. And before we wrap up this podcast, I do want to just say one more thing, because I actually saw someone on a Facebook. It was a friend of mine who was nervous about the severe weather this past Monday. So this was this year. And they just, they put their status as, does anyone know where's the best place to go if there's a tornado warning? 
and I'll let you take that, Ulysses. We can both take it well, if you want to give some tips on the best place to be if there is a tornado warning for your area. Well, the best place is if you do have a basement, then go to the basement. If you don't have a basement, uh, most interior place of your house, so away from those windows. That's really the main thing. You want to avoid those windows. Uh, usually, most of the time, that sometimes most of the time will be your bathrooms, um, if that's the way your house is set up. Uh, you know, some people will tend to you know hide in the in the tub, and you know, you usually try to bring some soft stuff with you, like blankets, uh, pillows, you know, and just put those over your head, uh, and you know, and try to just be as low as you can yep. uh, when these tornadoes come. But pretty much the most the most important thing is just the most interior place of your house or the basement. Exactly. And when we say interior, we just want you to get your body inside the house, of course, the lowest level, and get yourself between the walls. Like, put as many walls between you and the outside. You want that protection. You don't, you don't want to just be laying out there in the middle of the living room with, you know, one wall protecting you. Now, if that's the best thing you can do, um, you got to make the best of what you have, of course. But... Um, if you guys still have questions, because everyone's house is different, you know, there are mobile homes out there, there are places that don't have basements, or places that don't have a bathroom on the first floor that is not up against an outside wall, or that doesn't have a window. So, again, there's links in our blogs you can, you can go to for tips about that. But yeah, that's pretty much what we say, you know, low level of your house, basement, and interior room. Usually a bathroom on the first floor is the best bet. So, well, I think that's it, Ulysses. Anything else you want to add about the one-year anniversary of the, that tornado outbreak? No, uh, no. I mean, I think it's just a, it was just a, it was just a crazy night. Uh, but you know, like we mentioned before, luckily, you know, I think the worst thing we saw there was just one injury, but no deaths. So, you know, that's that's always a good thing as long as no deaths involved. You know. Um, that's, that's always, you know, that's our main goal here as meteorologists. You know, we try to forecast and, you know, we're trying to save lives. That's, that's what we try to do every day. Exactly. Um, All yeah. right. Well, thanks again, Ulysses, for uh, hanging out with me. Uh, just, you know, several blocks down the road at your house. And uh, the social distancing will continue. We'll continue to help you guys uh, when it comes to weather, uh, providing you guys with, you know, the best podcast we can. Uh, the best podcast that can keep you weather-wise and informed and bring you a bunch of weather, what is it, Ulysses? Yeah, we're going to bring you some <laughs> wisdom. We're going to bring you some <laughs> weather wisdom. That's what, uh, that's what we're trying to do best here. We're just trying to, you know, weather wisdom. And, you know, we're doing a lot of that here at our station. You know, we got weather tidbits. So uh, That's right, your new to, series, you know, weather tidbits. Check it out. Yeah, and actually, yeah, I mean, I'm spending today and tomorrow talking about tornado today you know i was talking about you know just the life cycle of a tornado or tornado genesis so how a tornado goes from you know a funnel cloud to its peak stage maturity and then to its demise and then um tomorrow on thursday i'll be focusing on what it will be uh you know we're gonna look over the you know the the fujita scale or the we're gonna start off with the fujita scale and then the enhanced fujita scale so we're gonna talk about you know tornado intensity Okay, I love it. And we have our weather blog, too. So we'll be updating that. And, uh, yeah, check out our website, 47ABC, and check us out again. Next Wednesday, we'll be back with another great episode of WeatherWise. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. All right. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Uh, take care. Have a great day. And uh, just remember, just uh, 
They're just applying a little bit of wisdom when it comes to that way. Right. 